if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. And a great morning to you. Thank you so much for joining us as we get started at eight minutes now after the hour of nine o'clock on this Monday, the fourth morning of the month of May in the year of our Lord 2020. Coming up in about 40 minutes, and in fact, exactly 40 minutes at 948, we will talk to Ohio's 4th Congressional District Representative, Congressman Jim Jordan. People are appealing to the congressman to get the state of Ohio open. People are appealing to everybody they can find, and that's good. That's great. That is exactly what I've been talking about. It's exactly what many of you have called to say, that we need to start putting pressure in places where we can put pressure. If we cannot get to the governor, then we need to get to people who can get to the governor, whether they be state representatives or, in this case, a United States congressional representative like Jim Jordan. And I'm going to share part of a letter that was sent to Congressman Jordan uh, along with Warren Davidson about that coming up in a bit, uh, essentially begging, begging him to intervene and get into the ear of uh, Mike DeWine. Obviously, there are states' rights. Federal uh, representatives have no authority whatsoever to tell them what to do, but they do share the same common interest, and that is the well-being of all Ohioans, and so hopefully there can be some action there. So Jim Jordan will be coming up at uh, 9.48 this morning. At 10.35, we're going to pivot away from the current problems that we all face with respect to the Chinese coronavirus and the ongoing uh, shutdown of our economy and the extraordinary reopening. That's the pace that Mike DeWine has laid out. The slow walk of the reopening of Ohio's businesses and economy. It is a slow walk that every single day that passes by leads to more businesses shutting forever. Businesses that will not return when he finally says, okay, businesses can open again, because he will have killed them, literally killed them, not put them in the hospital killed those businesses never to return and what happens to jobs at those businesses they also are never to return so as he slow walks i won't do that to you again but it it, it, seriously it is an extraordinarily slow walk uh toward reopening the state of ohio and it's 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 a terrible plan 
It is quite frankly a terrible plan, and more importantly, it's something we cannot trust. But anyway, I don't want to diverge into that too much. I want to point out that at 1035, we'll go back to a little historical problem. If you recall, it was May 4th. Uh, and that is today, May 4th, that the tragic shootings, shootings of uh, uh, students in uh, at Kent State University involving National Guardsmen uh, took place in 1970. And one man who was on that campus at that time is author Peter Jeddick. He's written a book about his experiences, and we're going to talk to him. We've, we've talked about the book before, in fact, as well. But we are going to talk about what happened on that campus that day and take a little look back at a very, very tragic and sad and dark moment in our history as Vietnam War protests turned deadly after confrontations with guardsmen. So uh, Peter Jeddick will join us at 1035 to talk about that part of the story. Now, I'm, I'm just going to come right out and say this. Not that I've pulled any punches already. I've been very direct anyway, but I want to make sure this, I'm very, being very clear about this. Our governor is a liar. I want to say this as directly and plainly as I can. Our governor is a liar. Bob, that's pretty bold. That's pretty brash. Why are you saying that? The reason I am saying that is because he lied to us directly in his press conference, his press briefing, if you will, on Friday. I spoke, as you know, with uh, Lieutenant Governor John Husted, and I challenged Lieutenant Governor John Husted about this strange plan that they have in place to reopen certain retail businesses on May 12th, which, of course, is far too long, far too late. But I said, wait a minute, how can you reopen the businesses, the retail sector, in some part, parts of Ohio anyway, on May 12th, when yesterday, as I said to the governor, or Lieutenant Governor, uh, Dr. Amy Acton, the walking lab coat, extended the stay-at-home order till May 29th. If you cannot leave your homes unless it's in, uh, for the purchase of essential items like food and medicine, that's what the order says, if you cannot leave your homes until May 29th, what in the world good is it going to do to open up Ohio's retail businesses on May 12th? Open up stores to no shoppers, because people aren't allowed to leave. And Lieutenant Governor Husted did what they do, politicians. He dodged and weaved and said, well, I don't read the, and I'm paraphrasing, but pretty doggone close here, I don't read the stay-at-home order the same way you do. What? You don't read the stay-at-home order as well the same way I do. I said, the language is very clear. I hereby order all persons, Dr. Labcoat wrote in her order. All persons are to continue to stay home. The order shall remain in full force until 11.59 p.m. on May 29th, 2020. It's very direct. Well, then here comes the governor, Mike DeWine, to his press conference on Friday at 2 o'clock, about, uh, what, three and a half hours after I got done talking to Lieutenant Governor Husted, and you know what he said? He said, no, 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 the stay-at-home order isn't, isn't, isn't there anymore. It's now a stay-safe Ohio order. Wait, what? What do you mean it's not a stay-at-home order anymore? Well, no, no, you see, we've pivoted from stay-at-home to stay-safe. Well, Governor, what the hell is the difference between the two? And the answer is that there isn't one. The only difference is the name. 
Amy Acton didn't change the order. Amy Acton said, quote, I hereby order all persons to continue to stay home. This order shall remain, that means the existing order, in full force until 1159 on May 29, 2020, unless the director who is running the state, Amy Acton, rescinds or modifies it. But you heard at the press conference, Ohio's governor say, no, 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 it just means stay safe. No, it doesn't. You just changed the name. And yesterday on Fox News Sunday, DeWine agreed to go on with Pete Hegseth. He won't go on with me again. He declined. And I guess I don't blame him because I'm going to call him a liar. And I'm already calling for his impeachment. But yesterday on Fox News Sunday, he went on with Pete Hegseth, who asked him the same thing I just asked. What's the difference between stay home and stay safe? Now, sit back and grab your popcorn, and let's watch a tap show. So, to set the context in Ohio, there have been protests there for a number of weeks, including on Friday, citizens demanding that the stay-at-home order uh, be ended. Now, you, on Friday, did end the stay-at-home order. It's now a stay-safe Ohio. What's the difference? Well, really, the difference is that we've been able to flatten the curve. Uh, Our hospital admissions are fairly flat. We'd like to see them go down. They're not really going down yet. Um, And we have to do two things at once, as I told the people. You notice he is not answering the question. He is reverting to the same bullcrap talking points that he spouts to the media every day at 2 o'clock. Well, we're trying to flatten the curve, and uh, we're trying to avoid a spike, and we're trying to uh, you know, do two things at once here. He's not answering the question. Your order by your health director, Dr. Labcoat, says stay home. You're saying it doesn't mean that. It means stay safe. What's the difference? Let's listen to some more tap dance. Uh, on Friday, I said, we can do two things at once. We can get this economy moving again, and we can, we can protect ourselves, uh, protect our communities. So that's really what we're doing. We put together uh, a different working groups. For example, we've got a group of, of folks who do hair. We've got a group of folks who run restaurants. And the- None of this is answering Pete Hegseth's question. These are small restaurants, mid-sized, big. And we've had them come back with best practices um, and so as we open an industry or we open a sector, people will be able to be assured in Ohio that best practices are being followed. And they're not my best practices. They're the practices that have come from people who run restaurants, sure. people who, who do that. And so we're lay- layering this out. So in one week, uh, we'll do retail. Retail already now can do it by appointment. Uh, they can do it curb service, uh, but in one week they'll be able to be but open. Governor, my question uh, is, why sure. not now? Uh, Before Pete gets to why not now, just, again, consider what he just said. Well, we're going to open retail. It's already now for, like, a jewelry store. If you make an appointment, you can come by and have curb service? <laughs> I was shopping online, and that diamond looks really nice. Will you meet me outside, and I'll pick it up? Really? Um, first of all, the insanity of that second of all again he said more retail will be open but the question is if dr Labcode has decreed that no one can leave their house except for essential purchases which is exactly what the stay-at-home order uh, says how can they go to retail stores there is no difference between stay uh stay at home ohio and stay safe ohio that's why he hasn't asked the question or answered the question, rather. 
And then Hegseth follows up with, why are you waiting? If, if Walmart and Target can do it and the items being sold there are sold by a small retail uh, outlet that can't open right now, that's an essential business to that person. Why are we wait- And they're an expert on their business and they can social yeah. distance. We're, why not open it now for those people? We're, we're, we're waiting, uh, frankly, because we want to make sure uh, that we spread these orders, these new openings out just a little bit. Just a little bit? You're killing businesses by the day. Governor, you're killing businesses every single day. And you're talking about spreading it out just a little bit. This You make a snail look like it could win the Kentucky Derby. That's how slow your little, well, we're spreading it out by a little so bit. So we layer it in. Uh, every expert uh, recommends that we do it that way. But for those... Your experts! Not economic experts, not business owner experts. Your experts! People in Ohio who are anxious um, in a week, uh, you know, retail's all open. and it- In a week, retail's all open and nobody's allowed to go! Because of your lab coat. Because of the pro-abortionist, liberal Democrat, Obama-supporting Amy Acton, who you are letting run the country, or run the state. Not the country, but the state. You're letting her run Ohio. We'll be moving moving forward. I think you make a very good point. Though. Yeah, we do make very good points. Pete Hegseth made very good points. And I'm going to make another really good point right now. You ready for my really good point? You're a liar. And when Hegseth tried to pin him down, is the order a recommendation or are you going to crack down on uh, keeping people home? Listen again to the sound of the taps. So in your new Stay Safe Ohio, are these mostly guidelines? Hey, this is what we recommend. Or are you going to be cracking down? Look, this has always relied, since we began to close things in Ohio, it's always relied upon people doing that. I've always said that it's not so important what I say or what the health director says, the state says. What's important is what people do. And Ohioans If it's not so important what you say or what the health director says, why is the language so strong in her order saying, I hereby order people to stay at home? Ordering people, not recommending people. If it's only a recommendation, Governor, then strike the word order in her uh, when in her uh, little uh, um, draft proposal. Strike it and change it to recommendation. We're just counting on people to do it. We're not going to order them to by law. It says very specifically, Governor DeWine. It says very specifically. Failure to abide by the orders given by Dr. Labcoat herself are punishable by not more than 90 days in jail and a $750 fine. That's not counting on people to just do it. That's not counting on people to just make up their own minds. You're threatening them with jail and fines. been great. They've stayed home. They've stayed apart. Uh, that's why we've seen uh, the hospital admissions uh, that are steady now. We've not had the surges that we were afraid we we're going to have. So as we move forward, we're going to continue to rely on Ohioans, and they're going to make those individual decisions. But Mike DeWine is lying to you. Mike DeWine is a walking, talking, pathological, Ohio economy-destroying liar. Mike DeWine is no Republican. 
He went out of his way on, on, on uh, Friday to say, I'm a conservative Republican, and I don't like this. If you're conservative, I don't even know if I can finish that. This man has no business calling himself a conservative Republican. This man is a liberal Democrat, no better than Phil Murphy in New Jersey, no better than Cuomo, no better than Newsom, no better than any liberal Democrat governor, and I am ashamed to have voted for this man. Get him out of my state. Get him out of my government. He is lying to you on a daily basis. You heard me, Mike DeWine. And if you have the guts to come back on the show and talk again and try to spew this stuff, I will tell you to your face, or at least by phone to your ear, because we have to keep socially distant, that you are lying to the people. By the way, we're just getting started on him. 923, the Bob France Authority, right back. Nine twenty-seven, Congressman Jim Jordan again coming up at nine forty-eight this morning. I'm I'm done with Mike Dewine and his lies. I am just done. I'm not going to. I'm just not going to let him spew these things anymore without challenging him. He's trying to tell us that it's not an order, that it's a stay safe order, not a not a stay at home order, that it isn't being enforced by law. Well. Let's give you a little bit more of Mike DeWine. Now, this isn't from the interview with Pete Hegseth. This is going back to Friday's actual um, press briefing. Now, this is one of the very few times that I have heard a reporter at these briefings actually challenging Mike DeWine on the load, the hour and a half long of uh, dung that he is shoveling at us each and every day as he destroys our state, one small business, one unemployed worker at a time. They don't challenge him. This reporter did. And I want you to listen to the direct question. And then I want you to listen to the biggest load of horse hockey that I have heard in a long time as Mike DeWine is caught, flat-footed. He sounds like the kid who's been asked by the teacher to give his oral book report, the book that he was given to start reading and to prepare for four weeks ago. It's time for your book report, and the kid didn't read the book. And he's got to stand up there and say, uh, 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 listen, that's exactly what happened. Sir, WMFD-TV, Mansfield, uh, my question is for you. Uh, the new order has a long list of rules, um, and it seems that regardless of what it's called, the order can be mandated because we are in a state of an emergency. Governor, you're an attorney. Uh, my question is, what direct evidence do you have, not circumstantial, but direct evidence, to justify continuing in a state of an emergency? And... What's the measurable criteria? Is it one death is too many? Is it 25% unemployment? Is it seniors who have lost complete physical contact with loved ones, many of them who will perish without ever seeing or touching family members again? Or is it the two-week decline in hospitalizations that you talked about on national TV just a couple days ago? So what direct evidence can you point viewers to that justifies staying in the state of emergency? Thank you. That was the question by the reporter. What direct evidence do you have that can justify staying in this state of emergency with the state of emergency order? And Mike DeWine's answer 
is coming up after the news on AM 1420, The Answer. Nobody should believe you. Liar. Let's listen to some more lies. Uh, and in fact, this, you know what? What I played for you before from uh, Fox News Sunday with Pete Hegseth, those were lies. What he said at the press conference about, no, 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 no. This is, this is not a stay at home order anymore. This is a stay safe order. That was a lie. But what I'm about to play for you from Governor Mike DeWine, the uh, Democrat uh, masquerading as a Republican that I am ashamed to have voted for and will never, ever, ever consider voting for again. And I am begging somebody to primary him and get him out in 2022, a Republican that we can rely on to actually, I don't know, uh, govern responsibly and not treat everybody like they're five-year-olds who need their daddy. Did you know that he tweeted this too? I, this is one of the other things that really got me going over the weekend. He tweeted that it's his personal responsibility to protect Ohioans. It is not his personal responsibility to protect anyone. It is his personal responsibility to govern the state of Ohio and provide people with the tools that they need to take care and protect themselves. His job is to provide people with the basic necessities and services that a government is supposed to, not to run their lives, not to tell them where they can walk and when they can walk there, where they can leave and when they can leave, how many people can be with them when they leave, where they can eat, how they, this, this is absolutely not his responsibility. But I digress. So I played it for you before the break. I'm going to replay the question for you from the reporter from Mansfield, whose name escapes me, and my apologies to him because it was a great question. But here's the question from the reporter to Governor Mike DeWine about his ridiculous order, his, quote, stay safe order. And then you're going to listen to Mike DeWine sound like the kid who was supposed to do an oral book report who never read the book. Listen. The new order has a long list of rules, um, and it seems that regardless of what it's called, the order can be mandated because we are in a state of an emergency. Governor, you're an attorney. Uh, my question is, what direct evidence do you have, not circumstantial, but direct evidence, to justify continuing in a state of an emergency? And what's the measure, measurable criteria? Is it one death is too many? Is it 25% unemployment? Is it seniors who have lost complete physical contact with loved ones, many of them who will perish without ever seeing or touching family members again? Or is it the two-week decline in hospitalizations that you talked about on national TV just a couple days ago? So what direct evidence can you point viewers to that justifies staying in the state of emergency? Thank you. Well, Jack, I'm sure you're a lot better lawyer than, than I am. Um, we have, we're in the midst of a pandemic. Um, Dr. Ackman talked about over 1,000 people dead. Uh, we've talked about the number of people uh, who have been hospitalized. Uh, so this is, this is certainly a crisis. Um, but we know that there are people hurting out there, not just because of the pandemic, but they're hurting because of poverty. They're hurting because they're unemployed. And that's why we're pushing to get us back open just as fast as we can. Uh, and we're going to continue to do that. We have to balance public safety, but at the same time, we know that uh, we want to open things up. And if you look at the order itself, not just the title, but if you look at what's in there, um, the spirit of this is really uh, trying to make sure that people have confidence when they go out, that the business they walk into 
is practicing the best things that they can practice. People have a right to know that during a pandemic, a very difficult and unusual uh, period of, of our time. We think um, with the help of a lot of people uh, in each one of those industries that they've been able to, to help us do that. What the hell did he just say? I, I need to know, what did he just say? Because I know what he didn't do. He didn't answer the question that was before him. The question that was posed to Governor DeWine was what direct evidence, not circumstantial evidence, but what direct evidence do you have that justifies continuing the state of emergency that you have? What direct evidence do you have that justifies keeping us in a state of emergency and thus subject to Dr. Labcoat's orders? Give us direct evidence. He gave you not one word, not one syllable of evidence justifying staying in a state of emergency. He said, well, we've had 1,000 deaths. Do you know that 2,700 people died from the flu in Ohio? Where's the state of emergency for them? He said, he said, we've had a whole bunch of people got sick. A whole bunch of people getting sick all the time. Where's the state of emergency for them? There is zero. Let me say that again. Z-E-R-O. Zero evidence. Direct or circumstantial that justifies the ongoing state of emergency. Over 2,700 people a year die from the flu in Ohio. Businesses stay open. Where is your medical reason for this emergency? He offers nothing. No reason to extend this lockdown, which was supposed to end four days ago. People are getting sick. 90% of the people who get COVID aren't even getting sick. They have no symptoms. And 99.9% of them, if they do get sick, survive. We're shutting down Ohio and crushing businesses, putting people in poverty, forcing them to live without being able to pay their bills, without being able to feed their kids, without their kids being able to go to school and get an education. Yeah, I'm sure they're all learning by laptop really, really well. All of these suicides are, are, are on a huge uptick, as are... Cases of depression, anxiety, people are seeing doctors, or, well, they're trying to, but they can't. Trying to have a nice nice virtual meeting with a psychiatric professional. People are unemployed. Businesses that have been running for years are shut down forever. And this man can't give you one justifiable reason, one, why he should not fire Dr. Acton immediately and replace her with an actual health expert who isn't going to sit there and lie. He's right. He's got to listen to her by law, but he chose her, and he can unchoose her. This question by that reporter was the first time that anybody held his feet to the fire publicly. I tried to on an interview that I did with him. But that's just in one, you know, exclusive interview in a public press conference like this. First time anybody actually called him out and you heard him stammer and yammer and stumble and bumble and fumble the answer because he has no answer. Get Mike DeWine out of Columbus and do so immediately. Gail is in Metter on AM 1420 The Answer. Hi, Gail Gordon. 
Hi, Bob. Um, yes, I wanted to um, just mention about Houston you had on Friday about you asking him about uh, going, the kids going back to school in August. And he had the nerve to say that they have to worry about these kids going home to grandparents who they might be giving the virus to. And also the mentality of people I don't know. My neighbor, who is a teacher, actually said to me, actually said to me that she'd be rather that all these people are out of work than one person dying of the Chinese virus. Can you imagine? And my another point is, do we have to wear masks? Can they make us wear masks? Can you tell me that? Can you get that? Well, yeah, he, I'll answer that last part first, Gail. Thank you for the phone call. Um, yeah, last week he, uh, he danced and, and again tried to appease, uh, everybody at some point or another. On Monday, he said, yes, everybody in public must wear masks. If you are going to be a customer or a client in a business, you must wear a mask. And if you are an employee or the employer, you must wear the mask. But people just bombarded him correctly with garbage, with, uh, about his garbage. And so he pulled that back on last Tuesday and said, okay, if you are a customer or a client, you don't have to, but it's a recommendation. You should, but still employees will have to. Uh, no, I'm sorry. I'm, I got out of order. I beg your pardon. On Tuesday last week, he said, I'm sorry. It's just a recommendation that everybody do it. Not an order. It's a recommendation. Then people push back on that. All of the fear mask uh, wearers uh, said, no, you should make it mandatory. So then he tried to split the difference on Wednesday and said, okay, employees and employers, workers must wear them. But for customers or clients, it is optional, but we recommend it. So, uh, so if no, you do not have to wear one publicly. The only caveat is there are some businesses who are saying we are making it mandatory in our place of business, and they do have the freedom to do that. So there are some stores. For example, we went to a store. We were going to go to a store, actually, for groceries on Saturday, my wife and I, till we found out this place was manda- making uh, mandatory the fear masks. And we said, thank you. We're going to go to another store. We went to another store that did not require them, and we were happy to see that probably 75 to 80% of the people in that store were not wearing the fear masks because they're smart. So uh, bottom line is, no, you don't have to, but some stores or businesses can compel you to. All right, I'm going to get out now so I have room for Congressman Jim Jordan. We'll see what he can do to perhaps put some pressure on the uh, weasel in uh, in the uh, governor's mansion in Ohio and see if we can try to get uh, businesses back open and on a paying basis again. Coming up on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, 948 now. We continue AM 1420, The Answer, talking about Ohio uh, and the destruction of its economy, seemingly at the hand of Dr. Amy Acton, with the willing permission of uh, Governor Mike DeWine. Joining us now is Congressional Representative Jim Jordan, who, of course, is uh, my congressional representative in Ohio's 4th and our regular guest on Mondays. Congressman, good morning. How are you, sir? Uh, fine, Bob. Um, doing better that we're actually starting to see the country get, go back to work, which is Good news. Needs to happen a little faster, in my judgment. How you doing? Yeah, a lot faster. Uh, it needs to happen a lot faster. I'm very, very worried about mm-hmm. a lot of things, and I'm very worried about the leadership of this state. And I, I have in my uh, hand right now there was a letter, and I know you get a lot of correspondence, so I'm not expecting you to have read this. Yeah. Uh, but but this was sent to you by uh, 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 James uh, Kirk from Ohio Value Voters to you and to Warren Davidson. Oh, I know Jim. Yeah, he's a good man. Yeah. Great. Yeah. He, yeah. He, is, he is great. So is Ohio Value Voters. They're wonderful, wonderful people. Yep. But basically, uh, they're they're begging you and begging. Uh, 
uh, uh, people at the federal level for help because obviously Governor DeWine is the governor and Dr. Acton is yep. untouchable because um, of the law that says uh, she can essentially make all of the rules in the state of an emergency or the state of a pandemic. But, but Congressman, here's the thing. He said on Friday at, at the press briefing that, no, 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 um, this isn't the stay, uh, stay-at-home order anymore. This is a stay-safe Ohio order, except for yeah. one thing. The, the health director literally just signed an extension of the stay-at-home order that says, under penalty of law, 90 days in jail, $750 uh, uh, fine, that you must stay at home. Uh, this is direct, it, and she says it's a continuation of the old order until May 29th. He stood up there and said, no, that order doesn't count anymore. This is a stay-safe order. When asked by, by reporters what the difference is, he could not say anything. So how are we getting yeah. back to open? How are we going to shop on May 12th at retail stores in Ohio, Congressman? If Dr. Acton has told us if we leave our houses for anything that's non-essential, uh, we're going to get a fine or go to jail. I don't get that. Yeah, I'm... I'm- I'm troubled by what appears to be the contradictory nature of, of, of the statements in the, in the, in the order. But what I'm, what I'm confident in is Ohioans and, and Americans who are saying, look, we're, we're going to start, we're starting, we're going to go back to normal. I mean, you saw it over the weekend. You saw people out and about. I mean, they're still using common sense, but people are, are starting to, particularly with the great weather we had, you're starting to see people get out and, 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 and do things. I think Americans are tired of this. I think Ohioans are tired of this. And they, they understand, look, we, we, we have done what, what, the, what the goal was. Because the goal was flatten the curve and make sure our hospitals aren't overwhelmed. Well, for goodness sake, we've certainly accomplished that because, in, in fact, our hospitals not only weren't overwhelmed, they're in big financial trouble because they had no patients. The vast majority of them across the country had no patients during this time and couldn't, couldn't generate any revenue. So uh, I think Ohioans and, and Americans, as they say, are, are, are ready to go back to a normal way of, of doing business and, and are moving in that direction. Very quickly. I mean, I think we all saw it this weekend when you're out and about, you saw this happening. So, um, you know, the order is what the order is, but I don't, I don't, I don't think that's what, how Ohioans are behaving or Americans across this country are behaving. So, so let me ask you directly, and again, I kind of asked you this uh, last week. I know the mm-hmm. difference between federal right or federal uh, authority and states' rights, and, and clearly there are things you cannot force. But but we're looking for somebody to influence. We're looking for somebody yeah. to huddle with and say, Governor DeWine, because look, he was asked by a reporter on fr- at Friday's briefing very directly, sir, what direct evidence do you have uh, to to justify the continuation of the state of emergency, considering everything you just said about the empty hospitals and healthcare workers and so on and so forth? The curb crushed the fact that you know that's a ninety nine point nine percent survival rate. Yada yada. He said they, the reporter asked him, what what do you have direct evidence you have that justifies continuing this? order and making people stay at home and not opening up all of ohio he literally sounded like the kid ordered or asked by the teacher to give an oral book report on a book he had never read he had no answer at all there is zero evidence to justify this so but but the reporter can't get him to change anything we're wondering if people like you sorry to put this on but can you (laughs) well that's why i've been speaking out i've been doing it for weeks like i I said i don't know last week or two weeks ago i said the best phase four because you know Pelosi's talking about another big bill the best phase four is to go back to work and it's time to do that so what what i can do as as a member of the of the of of congress and the federal legislator is we can talk about it we can encourage the right kind of thing and i've been doing that uh it is time to go back to work it is time for congress to go back to work as i said last week if 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 uh you know you got farmers planting crops you got truckers moving goods you got you got grocery stock and shelves, and you have frontline healthcare workers who've never stopped working a day during this whole this whole uh, uh, effort, this whole crisis. So 
So why in the world can't Congress go back to work? So to me, that that's that's what we can do at the federal level. If there's going to be a change at the state level, frankly, the, the best pressure would come if the General Assembly would go back in session and say, we're going to pass legislation that says, that, that says it's time to go back to work. Or we're going to pass legislation for in the future. This is another idea that uh, some of my uh, uh, legislators at the state level I've talked about. Uh, you, you may need to pass legislation that says, okay, in the future, if there's some kind of pandemic issue that, that and, and the health director, uh, Dr. Acton, wants to do something, there's a limited amount of time, and then there has to be some kind of okay from people who are actually elected and put on the ballot, i.e. the General Assembly. So there are those kind of remedies you can look at for the future, but if you're going to move things up in any, any fashion now, you'd have to have the General Assembly, I think, come back in session and exercise that pressure, sending a bill to the governor. I don't know if they'll do that. I don't think they're going to do that because I think we're getting close now to actually getting things up and, uh, up and moving. Um, let me ask you this, uh, pivoting to the bigger picture. The CDC revised over the weekend to the shock and surprise of many. They revised the number of U.S. deaths from COVID-19 from 60,000 plus to 37,000 plus. I saw um, that, yeah. What, what, what does that mean to you? Well, I, I don't know because I just I had a colleague mention that to me uh, yesterday. And, you know, it went from – it looks like it's that they've created a subcategory. They say now, like, it's, uh, from COVID-19, I think it was 37, 30 – I forget what the number was, but it's in the high 30s. Yeah, 37 and, and change. And then they have, then they have, then they have pneumonia, uh, pneumonia-related, which is a bigger number. So I don't know if they're, if they're now creating some kind of distinction. Like these are ones we definitely know were, were coronavirus, and this is this is people who died from uh, who, who passed away from pneumonia. Whether they had, I, I don't know what that means. But uh, if it is that that much of a, a difference in the number, that I think underscores uh, one of the concerns we all had when this started was was this as lethal as we were initially told? And obviously there were models that told us way back when. Oh, it seemed like a, forever ago that it was going to be a couple million, and, and of course it's not anywhere close to that. So I, I don't know which is the accurate number, but I did find that interesting that CDC had, had changed it. I just, I, I just had a colleague tell me that uh, yesterday. But, but what it really does underscore, don't you think, Congressman, is that, I mean, look, the American people need to trust their government and need to be able to trust their government, rather, and I don't think they can. This doesn't, that doesn't scream trust. That doesn't scream that the people who are running the show, the doctors who are on the President's White House uh, Coronavirus Task Force, uh, following the guidance of the CDC, they're all establishing policy on misinformation. First, the models were wrong, and now the death count was wrong well, by a terrible amount. Yeah. I mean, how how do we trust that anything that we are being told is accurate? I'm not trying to sound like that anti-government nut job, but I'm just saying, you know, if we're supposed to be trusting the government and the government is trusting the CDC and the CDC doesn't know what the living hell it's doing, uh, what do we do now? Well, no, it's, it's, it's interesting because, remember, the first model projection was 2.5 million, and now it looks like their CDC is putting out a number that says 37,000. So there is a, is a, a significant difference between those two numbers. So I, I get the, the, the concern you're uh, expressing. Look, I, I, I know what the, what the president said um, throughout this, and I, I, I think this is the attitude that, that hopefully should, should be, be you know, driving this whole process. Is the cure can't be worse than the disease. And that is why I've been pushing to time to go back to work. Forget phase four, phase 4.5, phase, phase five, whatever Pelosi's talking about, Schumer talking about in D.C. Let's just let this great economy get back up and start the great American comeback and get it up and moving. That's what we should do. And then the other thing I think is very positive, Bob, is the, is the correspondence that the Attorney General of the United States put out. And I so appreciate that. I talked to the Attorney General about this a couple of weeks ago, and he thinks exactly like we do. He said, certainly in a, in, a, in a pandemic situation like this, there can be some things done 
for a short period of time. But we are now at a, at a point where you cannot infringe on people's liberties. And what he said in his memo last week was so good. He said the Constitution is not suspended during times of crisis, and amen to that. And then he said, I direct U.S. attorneys to be on the lookout for local authorities, governors, and lo- other local officials who are infringing on the rights of American citizens. And that is exactly the perspective you want from the United States Attorney General. And they, I saw where they joined a lawsuit on a, a religious liberty in, uh, a church abroad in Virginia. The, the uh, U.S. attorneys have signed on to that and are, and, are, and are advocating on behalf of the church and people whose religious liberties rights were infringed on in, or, or impinged there in, in, uh, in Virginia. So that is the other positive news that I think is, is worth highlighting. Yeah, that is positive, and uh, and and I guess my bigger question would be, what can other than making statements of support, the way uh, Attorney General Barr did, what can he do to compel Ohio's leadership to uh, stop infringing upon our constitutional rights? Because that, you know, the, the well, letter that I mentioned to you from Jim Kirk, um, you know, and I just read just one sentence from it: on behalf of our membership of more than two million two A and Right to Life affiliated voters, we collaborate with. We strongly encourage Ohio's congressional delegation to contact AG Barr and ask him to protect our constitutional rights immediately yeah. what can he do beyond making a statement yeah. that will protect think, our rights i think that statement i mean look when the attorney general of the united states puts out a memo understand this is this is the second thing he's done he did a statement three weeks ago mm-hmm. where he talked about religious liberty and he basically said if you can go to go to a grocery store and stay six feet apart well you can certainly go to church on easter sunday in your car and listen to the service on your radio and not be not be harassed and fine like some people were so he he, he made that statement a few weeks ago, and then he put out this memo to U.S. attorneys and to the division, civil rights and civil uh, division in, in, the, in the Justice Department that was right on target. So I think he is sending a message by that. The fact that they joined this lawsuit in, in Virginia sends another strong message. So I think governors are starting to figure out, wait a minute, we better, we better scale back some of these, these, these restrictions. That, you know, you got, you got, think about what we've seen in, in our two largest cities, two of our largest cities. The, uh, the mayor of L.A. and the mayor of New York both said, we will reward people for snitching. Snitching is at, is is is, is uh, we we encourage you to do that. What? And I saw that there was some city who who published the names of the people who snitched on their neighbors. I thought that was kind of interesting. I thought someone would tell me about that. I haven't seen it, but someone told me about that. So uh, I think there are signs that are moving back and 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 showing that Americans deep down really do value this thing called freedom. The uh, Internet is filled with um, examples of police officers who I think have been forced to do something they don't want to do in almost all of the cases, which is try yep. to yep. break people up and, and bring the heavy hand of the law down on people for simply exercising what used to be freedoms. Now, some of them seem to have gotten a little bit power hungry on it. In fact, there's one in, Minnesota, or in uh, Wisconsin, rather, of two officers going to someone's house because the person's person, somebody called and said, this woman is going to allow her child to go on a play date with another child. You better stop it. And they came up really authoritatively and it was bad but other but other um uh police and sheriff's departments have said we will not comply we will not enforce these orders um the sheriff in eureka county nevada was the most recent sheriff watts who just said this Mm -hmm. is unconstitutional we will not order our deputies to do anything to people who are just engaging in lawful behavior so um is is that a sign that you know i mean do you think that our elected officials will listen to our law enforcement officials well, I, I think, like you say, Bob, our, our God bless our law enforcement uh, personnel. They, they they put their lives on the line, and and they uh, they do all kinds of great things every single day to protect uh, protect us, protect our communities, protect our states. Mm-hmm. Um, and God bless them for what they do. This president is, values their service so so much as well. Uh, and I think they understand what Bill Barr said: the Constitution is not suspended in times of crisis. They get it. 
so 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 God bless them for all that they do. I, I think they understand the basics of this this place we call America, where freedom matters, where we have a Bill of Rights, where we have a First Amendment that says you can. You know, I thought it was interesting too. In some of these places where where you had governors say things and 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 put orders in place, I thought it was interesting. You know. Because because it was an infringement on your 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 right to uh, your your religious liberty rights and your right to assemble, but when they were ticketing people at the drive-in church service, it was interesting. I, I wonder if the press got ticketed who was there filming it because the freedom of the press is also part of the First Amendment. So this idea that there was in and I think it was in Louisville or somewhere where where there was this this attack on your First Amendment religious liberty rights, your First Amendment uh, right to assemble. But there was an attack on the fact that the liberal mainstream press was there filming it, their First Amendment right to uh, freedom of the press. So um, I thought that was interesting, too. But, yeah, the vast majority of law enforcement are doing just an unbelievably great job for us, and they understand what, what the Attorney General expressed in his memo last week. Congressman Jordan, I know I kept you a little bit long here. I apologize, but I appreciate your great uh, answers and analysis. Uh, Keep up the good work for us, please, and uh, do what you can to get through to Mike DeWine. Our state is suffering greatly every day that he slow walks the recovery we need and the reopening. Rather, we need to get open now. So, anything you can do, thank you. You bet. You bet. Thanks, Bob. Take care. You got it. Jim Jordan on AM fourteen twenty. The answer took us two minutes past our news at the top of the hour. Apologies for that. We'll catch up now and come right back with. 